Welcome to the Irish NFL show and welcome to our week nine talking points brought to you by Buskers on the Ball in Dublin's Temple Bar. You can check out Buskers on the Ball on Sunday evenings where they show a selection of live games and Red Zone every NFL weekend. And what a weekend of games we've just had. We had a stirring Dolphins comeback attempt that fell just short against the Chiefs in Frankfurt where Brian and Colin were over the weekend. The Ravens convincingly won the Battle of the Birds. Josh Dobbs pulled out a storybook win for the Vikings and CJ Stroud fired the Texans to victory in an instant classic over the books. And that was just the early window. Brian, um, those talking points, we couldn't really start anywhere else but with Josh Dobbs. And one of my favourite moments over the weekend, never mind what happened on the field, is in the media engagements afterwards, Josh Dobbs literally had to introduce himself to the Minnesota press corps. Press corps. He started off by saying, hi everyone, my name is Josh Dobbs, which I think obviously was partly tongue-in-cheek, but also reflected just how crazy it is that the guy kind of arrives in Minnesota off the plane, I think on Thursday, when you there's clips of him that have gone viral now, practicing his cadence with the center on the sideline just before he goes in after poor old Jaron Hall. Now, shout out to Jaron Hall here, who actually started really well. Did well, yeah. He was going very, very well in his first start and got absolutely tuned trying to run uh, run the ball in, trying to stretch for the pylon. Had a two-man tackle and put him out of the game with a concussion. Josh Dobbs comes in. <laughs> Barely knows the names of the players around him. There's no way he can know the playbook. I think Kevin O'Connell is having to just explain to him in Annan Barry language what's supposed to be happening on every play. And and from there on, by the first drive, which was an absolute disaster, and you know, credit to him for recovering from that. It was just just amazing. Just a great, great story. You know, the service there bar the first drive, it was quite a few drives. Uh, safety, two interceptions. Um well you're right. Okay, he's introduced himself to uh to the guys after the game, he actually went up to some of the guys on the sideline and just said, just so we get this right, your name is X and Y. And obviously, as you said, the, the viral piece around the fact he's, you know, giving him the, I suppose, the second with how he's going to snap the ball and et cetera. But um, yeah, look, it's a great start. And, and this, kind of, for me, this, this is something Column gone weeks ago, you know, because he was playing so well for the Cardinals. And as I said, I think we said it last week, you forget these guys are looking for the next opportunity in the league and he's got it. And rightly so, because he's deserving of it. And, Look, he's come in into great start, and it just for me it still masks some of the, the he's going to play on an offense where he, as you said, he knows very different in terms of the terminology. He actually went up to one of the wide receivers on the last drive, which happens to be the game-winning drive, and said, "Do you know what this play means?" <laughs> so when they were quickly tried his best to explain it as best he could. So look, it's a great start, and, and for him, Brandon Moy, where the Vikings were, you know, number of weeks ago to, to go, I think it's a five and one in the last six games. With, with the exception of their wide receiver, still not being back from the Noyer. Great start. In, I mean, it's, where are the Falcons? I know everybody's been raving about the, this Josh Dobbs, but like, sometimes you have to take a step back and look at the, the other side of the coin. And Ryan Nielsen was coming in as defense corner, and everybody was raving about him. He's going to understand the, the nature of the division. He's come from the Saints. How would you know a quarterback who hasn't, who doesn't understand the, the book, the playbook, to go and do that shit on the last drive? And Arthur Smith. And again, I, I, and also the quarterback situation there, I just don't get it because they wouldn't go for Lamar Jackson. They said Desmond Reader was the man. He clearly isn't the man. I don't think he's not a, he's a break, he's a break. He's quarterback and he's showing interceptions. They're in a strange place for me. And there's a motorboy going somewhere in, in the background. So it's not, maybe it's not my house, but maybe it's a Falcons fan that one. Listen to us and getting out of here. So, uh, sorry, I'm probably getting away from a Vikings great start. But the Vikings, the Falcons from here, it's a game they should add. And Colin, maybe before we tear apart the Falcons, who who, who well deserve it at this stage, the, the Vikings, winners of four straight now. I mean, for all that 
and I was probably one of the the, the leaders in terms of the, the three of us here and dumping on the Vikings and how they were so lucky to go 13 and four last year and it was all going to come apart this year and it started off that way they lost every one score game they played in but this team has a ton of heart and you know if, if there were any doubters they probably won them over at, at this stage they're kind of the team apart from the Texans who we'll get to that all the neutrals kind of are getting behind now because for all the, the, the misfortune that they got another um, Cam Akers down with an Achilles over the weekend as well of course like it, it really hasn't gone well for them in terms of you know all the things you'd want to go your direction and yet they're pulling it out and, and Josh Dobbs has just become the the emblem for what's possible to do when uh, when everybody's pulling in the same direction. Yeah, I, I think Kevin O'Connell and the coaching staff deserve immense credit. And this, you've pointed the injuries. At no point have they made a big deal of of the the it, our injuries as, as an excuse. It would be so easy for him to step up to the podium and to say, "We're without arguably the best wide receiver in the league. We're without our QB who's playing the best uh, football of, of his career." And plenty of head coaches do that. Um, but Kevin O'Connell is super, super smart. We had the good fortune to talk. I mean, it was so obvious. This is the guy who thinks so deeply about the, the game. Um, I think I asked him, what's the difference between an elite, a very good QB and an elite QB? And he went on about a 12-minute answer, where he broke it down both physically and um, from a psychological standpoint about what makes the guy really good. And Josh Dobbs talked about it. And I think what Kevin O'Connell is doing and what Brian Flores is doing and look we, you know let's not go totally over the, the skis they're going to be rough moments for the Vikings but they are doing more with less this year and I think it, it is immensely impressive and I think people uh, around the league and Arthur Smith need to like football is not as complicated as people want to make it and Arthur Smith would have you believe he's the only person in the world who can understand it and you don't watch the tape and you don't know. Well, Kevin O'Connell is the exact opposite because it isn't that complicated. There are there are concepts and there are teams to certain different things with, with certain concepts. So there might be 16, 18, 20 different ways to run stick, but ultimately it's the stick concept. And what Kevin O'Connell and the Viking staff did was to talk Josh Dobbs through that. And yeah, the, you can you can blame some of it on, on the Falcons for you know not doing uh, more, but the Vikings had to go out and, and do it, and they have shown incredible um, togetherness to overcome adversity uh, this season. Uh, everything went their way last year, um, but they, they just they, you see the videos uh, of them in the locker room afterward, and they are together, and they are immensely uh, impressive. And I think that Kevin O'Connell should be whatever way this this ends up going should be in the in contention or at least talked about for coach of the year uh, because i think he's done a really really great job brian you mentioned the the falcons and as colin was saying you know football for all that we can get into you know incredible levels of complexity and detail it, it is a simple game and the falcons for all of the weapons at arthur smith's disposal in particular and when we talk about the offensive side of the equation for them often seem to make it difficult on themselves rather than making it difficult on their opponents. It's actually, sometimes when they're doing the simple thing that they look at their most effective, we, we spoke about it just before we came on, how they brutalized the Vikings down the field for the go-ahead touchdown before Dobbs' heroics, ran the ball 11 times in a row. They have the capacity to do that, and yet they seem to put the quarterback in a position to lose them games, and he's more than happy to do it for them, whoever's in the position at the moment. Yeah, and 
Are you utilizing Bijan Robinson to the to the skill set in which he has? Because we saw last week in the other game when they were in the red zone, they didn't use didn't use him once and got a similar trades are appearing in this game. And you have to wonder. We saw the column was there for us and see how close he was in Wembley. Aaron Lynch. Again, sometimes you see these players and you wonder why they can't get the best out of them because initially they come in, they start off, but he's regressed slightly. But it's the quarterback situation for me there is altering what's where they're going wrong. There's no consistency there. Like Ritter has not been lived up to the hype. Uh, Taylor Hardy, I thought we'd see a bounce off him because we saw that in Washington. We discussed on the show last week where he comes in, he just you get three or four really strong games from, and then he kind of regresses back to the. The, the flaws, which is why he isn't the number one quarterback in yeah, at that particular team. But again, he was immediately in and were shown concerns already in the fact that he was showing just absolutely too many inconsistencies right now. And he said, when you've got really effective players, not just Robinson, this is Al's year in the back of the tournament of players. You know, Cordell Patterson was a real kind of Swiss Army knife for them in the past. They don't seem to be utilizing him. I know he didn't come back until the Wembley game, but he's back early now. They're not even using him at the same moment. They threw him in on a trick play on 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 fourth down at one stage, and he got the conversion. And then he just kind of like again this this maddening Arthur Smith thing, where he seems to want to run everything by committee, just popping like how how's a player supposed to get into a groove and get momentum with you know just being coming in expecting to do for one play, and then you might not you might not see action for another three or four series, depending on the whims and and, and the vagaries of of what he has in his head by way of game plan or, or a playbook. It, it it can't be an e- it can't be an easy coach to play for. Um, Colm, in any other weekend, we would have started off talking about CJ Stroud. And I feel guilty even that it's taken us nearly 10 minutes to get to it. But that Josh Dobbs story was just too too good to turn down. Um, CJ Stroud broke the rookie single game passing record over the weekend, 470 yards, um, dropped five touchdowns, you know, some incredible throws. I mean, you wonder the times where you're looking at Joe Burrow here or or Prime Peyton Manning, the way he, you know, with the poise that he has and, and, and the ability to hit those back shoulder throws. He just... Nothing seems to phase this guy, and there's a lot of teams around the league, perhaps even including my own Bears, maybe wondering what they uh, what they could have done with draft picks when this guy was on the board. Yeah, uh, he is immensely, immensely impressive. At the, the at the just over the midway point of the season, he is the runaway favorite for offensive rookie of the year. He he's been fantastic, and the way he goes about um, his business, I think, is to be commended. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, when the S2 results came out, there were all sorts of doubts uh, about him. And um, he he went and, like, there are questions about the receiving core. But again, like, really good QBs elevate the receivers around them. And the, there's so much said about in, in sports and in professional sports, like, with covering um, and being reporters and others covering for teams. And over the last years, you've heard about, oh, it takes, you know, you need to give rookies time and you need to give rookie head coaches time. It takes ages. Uh, well, D'Amico Ryans and CJ Strato take into the NFL like a duck to water. We saw Kevin Stefanski get to the playoffs. You can point to, to loads for Dable la- last year. Um, I I was told, I had a podcast with uh, Sean Pendergast, uh, who is a Texans beat reporter that came out on Sunday. And this is before the, the game. And he talked about how impressive CJ Stratt is because what he looks for is weaknesses in his game. So whenever there is a weakness, he he does have that mm. Peyton Manning thing of being an absolute film nerd. He wants to see what he can work on. 
And I think, in fairness, I, I, I've said it over the past few weeks, I got it wrong on the, the Texans going back up for Will Anderson as well. Um, I, I think they definitely will look at it, and there will be bumps along the road. Um, they have the, the Bengals next. That's going to be tough. But, you know, they've got the, the Jags, but I don't think they, given the Jags are division arrivals, they won't fear them in the same way. And outside of that, it's not a murderous role that they face in the back end of the season. And you mentioned that S2 test, which is you know, the whole, how are they supposed to evaluate processing power? Uh, Peter King called it out in his Football Morning in America column as well, saying somebody's going to have to tear that one up and start again. Because I mean, one of the remarkable things from this game, Brian, was the book stopped blitzing Stroud after about a quarter and a half because it wasn't working. Like he was reading it too quickly and he was cutting them apart. They, you know, they had to change their, the, the, the way they were defending him. That's how quickly he processes the game in in week nine of of his rookie season. He's he's lethal and um, uh, given time and space. And it, even if he's not given time and space, he, he can he can make the throws. And um, with what we what we thought of as being kind of a weapons core offense, but where you go, Collins, Tank Dell, uh, Schultz have all shown up. Schultz coming back to haunt the books again yeah. over the weekend. Yeah, and it kind of, it's reflected what you, you say when you look at his numbers for the game. The first half, he was 14 to 22 for 145 yards, which isn't shabby for a first half of a rookie. And then he goes 20 for 42 for 480 odd yards and five touchdowns in the second half. But like the in game adjustment, like, as you said, like between him and Miko Royals and, and the offensive coordinator, they look at what they've done in the first half and come out in the second half and for them to shy away from blitzing because they were getting penetrated time and time again. There was a, the, the, I think a little bit of a factor as well in terms of the secondary for the, for the Bucs was losing uh, Dean to concussion because he's one of their, their better players and they're kind of down or a few players already. So I'm not going to put it down the injury and the inefficiencies of their defense. But again, this is another one. How balls are we looking at going? How is the defense getting so wrong? Because we spoke earlier on the season about this defense is probably one of the, the spots in this team that would help this team challenge within the division and to give up that play. And even more disappointing is the last drive. CJ Shred was fantastic, but they had him in the four and ten, and he converts for eleven yards. Allowed to go down I, the field. I don't know if you were watching it on on red zone, but Scott Hansen had actually said completely joking after Mike Evans gets the go ahead touchdown yeah. for the books with forty five seconds on the clock. The way this game is gone, I fully expect CJ Stroud to drive them seventy five down the yards down the field for the score. He did. He's just it's, ridiculous. You see the celebration on the side of the uh, field after the the books tucked it in, and Baker Mayfield is high five. They they thought they had it. They they thought that was. As well as Stroud has played, this is too much for a rookie to go down the field. He goes and does that on the, and it's a bit for Baker Mayfield. Like it's arguably one of his better games he's had at the books, and he, he comes out the wrong side of it. But you, sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and recognize what a talent his quarterback is. And he's the second pick, and you wonder what the Carolina Panthers are thinking. They see the struggles in which they had later on Sunday what evening. The, what the Stroud. Cleveland Browns are thinking, though, those first round picks that went on Stroud. Anderson and you know w- one other plus yeah. all that guaranteed money for for Deshaun Watson. Wouldn't they like to have that back? Yeah, just on um, Nick Casario, I think we touched on last week. about last year there was just after you know, on the trade deadline there was suggestions that he wouldn't be there even till the end of the season. And here we are a year later, and Collins rightly said they're in it. You know, there's a potential opportunity to push on, maybe make a late push to become a wildcard team if they don't even stay in the mix for the division, depending on the nature of these games and. Like you hear it on and we, we, we speak about draft strategies and you could argue they've got this one so right no matter what they gave up to the cars in terms of the future picks because right now they're going they're going in a, a very good direction and they've obviously got the head coach and you know 
piece right as well, which is sometimes that's ultimately the biggest one as well to get the head coach right before you even get to the draft process. Yeah, I gotta say for for all of us who lament the uh, front office shenanigans that uh, derail our franchises, the Texans and the Colts are giving us all hope this year. It can eventually turn around, even if you just get lucky. And we were looking at Lovey Smith winning that final game for them, and they were cursing that they didn't get the number one overall pick, and then CJ Stroud falls right into their laps. Colin, um, the Ravens over the weekend, uh, another statement win. They dismantled the Lions a couple of weeks ago. They dismantled the Seahawks over the weekend. Um, these are not bad teams that they've just kind of put through the blender these past couple of weeks. Um, are, is it that the Ravens are just that good, or have they exposed flaws in those two erstwhile NFC contenders? Uh, the Ravens are that good. Uh, it's a, They are absolutely sensational. I think you can make a really valid argument that they are the best team in the NFL. What they are doing on defense is comparable only to the 2000 Ravens. Um, that defense. That, I mean, they are, they put you in a blender. The Seattle fans seem to be losing their minds about Gino. Calm down. This was against an absolute monstrous defense. Um, I think John Harbaugh um, and I look, I, I've criticized the Ravens and I, I stick by how did you let it get to that situation with the Mark? Why didn't you surround it with, with talent earlier? But anyway, the fact that they were willing to move on from weight, the fact they were willing to move on from Greg Roman in the space of two years and to bring in um, the guys that they they did, I, I think they, he deserves immense credit because what they are doing, again, goes against all the perceived wisdom. All the perceived wisdom is you gotta have the, your star players on defense at edge. You gotta have star cornerback. But for the Ravens, it's your middle linebacker and your safety, and everybody is stepping up. Can you imagine? I, I, I imagine there's got to be some tough uh, conversations. Or there already are in um, with the Chargers. When you're watching Kyle Van Noy go out and do that every single week. I mean, everybody is playing up to their potential right now. And I I am not surprised that Amar is playing the, this way. I think he has been underrated. And um, I I think I think they are terrified. I do not think anyone is going to want to play them. They, they should. One thing that particularly scared me over the weekend, on top of everything that you've just talked about, is we might have said, well, they're going to really miss J.K. Dobbins down the stretch, and then this Keaton Mitchell kid shows up and just puts up 138 yards just just like that, which is which is not what the rest of the NFL needed to see right now. Um, Brian, one thing that did strike me, though, with both those wins over the Lions and the Seahawks, it just exposes the fact that if your ceiling is Gino or Jared Goff, you're probably not equipped to to take the Lombardi from a team like the Ravens. You need someone who can pull rabbits out of hats, and neither of those guys are that guy. Yeah, I agree. And I'll jump in on the Gino piece for it because I think it is a concern. Gonham is saying Seahawks fans are losing their mind because it's the consistency thing. I think you, we spoke about it last week, how inconsistent he was in the game against the Browns with the interceptions. He did it against the Cardinals with the interceptions. He's been doing it throughout the course of the season. And, and now Pete Card is even calling it out in the press conference after the game that, you know, this is a, this is now a worrying concern and where he was kind of brushing under the carpet last week, he's now kind of gone full circle and saying, okay, this really is a concern. But, um, they, in particular, will probably get away for large parts of the season because their defense is quite strong and you'd imagine against the commanders at home on Sunday, that'd be the case. And I, I agree with Colin and I agree with the series in terms of 
where the Ravens are at. I saw a great statement today. They can beat you with the run, they can beat you with the pass, and they can beat you right now with their defense. They are essentially, you know, playing confirmation yeah. football across the league and special teams as well. If you want to show that, show that in there right now, you're there. But then, what we need to do is be careful because we've done this three times this year. Which we, we, we killed the 49ers for starters. <laughs> we killed them. We killed the Bills before they went to London, and they were nodding it up with the Rams. And they played the Browns this weekend. It probably, probably would be a, a juggernaut defensively in this game. Yeah. How much defense can. I heard most. one of the pundits on ESPN radio on the, over the weekend that was stuck in the car for the for the second quarter of some of the games on, on an emergency uh, uh, errand and I was listening to ESPN radio and one of the pundits said, I picked the Seahawks because I figure every time we hype up a team they lose the following week. Why are the Ravens doing this? <laughs> that that has been that has been the course this season. Sorry, Cole. I I mean, I think like there there's there's a long way to go. Um but they, the 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 other teams that have, have been out, I think that the pieces, like structurally, they're so good, and there there are the questions I think around Lamar, like there are around Brock Purdy. Lamar has won an MVP, like he's shown he can do this. This team know how to win. The questions may start in the playoffs, right? Um, but to me. I, there shouldn't be any reason. They're good enough to do it. it um, they are. The, they have been the Bengals' kryptonite. Uh, it, they, the only thing is that that AFC North is, uh, you know, a bit of a bloodbath. Well, if, so if, if the season ended today, all four AFC North teams would go to the playoffs. Like, I mean, we've talked again and again about how tough this division is, but the three teams stacked behind about five and three, um, and, and none of them look like mugs right now. I know we've talked about the Steelers miraculous wins here and there which may be slightly padding their schedule but uh, nobody's given any quarter in that division No I think you look at the, the nature of who they got coming up like they're very winnable games you look, you'd argue the Steelers are rightly famous there to win a home against the Packers this weekend and they've all got these games where you can see a, a situation I don't think it's ever, it's ever it's never been done before I don't think there's ever been a scenario where all four teams obviously to play off Premier Days have changed recently with the extra team but we, we've seen three we've never seen the four I'd be interested to see if they can all continue to battle their way through. It's it's a big ass to see all forward, find their way. Well, Brian, we move into our second segment 